Hey, this is Lisa Chastain. And if you want to learn the six and seven figure science to success, significantly increase your revenue and learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to the Sell Without Selling podcast with my good friend, Stacey O'Byrne. If you're ready to get out of your own way to follow the seven-figure science of success, then welcome to Sell Without Selling. Tune in with renowned international speaker Stacey O'Byrne as she shows you how mastering relationships, achieving the proper mindset, and attaining the necessary motivation will catapult you away from failure and onto your journey to greatness. And now, here is your host, Stacey O'Byrne. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. Today, I am speaking with a really good friend of mine, someone I am very excited that I've met and I've gotten to know over time. And I'm so blessed that you get to meet her and get to know her now. Her name is Lisa Chastain. Lisa is an international best-selling author and radio show host. She teaches women how to take control of their finances so that they can live their best lives. For over 20 years, Lisa has been coaching and mentoring women. As a highly sought-after money coach, she teaches her clients what it takes to make financial dreams become reality. Throughout her 30s, Lisa struggled with money. She blew through her life savings of over $100,000 and knows firsthand what financial struggle feels like. Amen to that. You, got, you and I have a lot to talk about. Mm. After going through a divorce in 2017, Lisa has rebuilt her life and business to mentor women to make money simple so that they can stop stressing and get to living joyful, heart-centered, and worthy lives. She uses real-life stories and simple strategies to help women get what they want in life. Lisa has been featured in O, the Oprah Magazine, CNBC, Entrepreneur, Fortune, and Cosmo Magazine, among others. And she's on a mission to inspire women to become the financial leaders of those of their lives. And guys, listen, just because Lisa focuses and specializes in helping women, I can promise you there's a lot of golden nuggets in this. So stay tuned and stay on because I can promise you there's takeaways here for you as well. Hey, I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. I am so excited for you to hear today's conversation. And really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, or if you're stuck and needing a pivot in your business and your success, or you just want more, and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability, and help with success strategies to take you, your business, your income, and your success to the next level. If this sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. There's a quick application there to see if we're a great fit for each other. Okay, let's do this. Lisa, welcome to the show. Hi, Stacey. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to be here. Hi, that makes two of us. 
I know that we scheduled this a while ago. As a matter of fact, it's funny. We scheduled this during uh, Pacific Standard Time. And then when we switched, apparently our schedulers don't switch. Okay. Because they still had to a PST. So at one o'clock our time, I got notification that we had a Zoom. And I'm like, no, we don't. It's a two. <laughs> ever to figure out why I got that notification. That's how long we've been scheduled. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So let's help these guys get to know you because, you know, you're a force to be reckoned with. I'm, I'm blessed that our paths have crossed and I love what it is you do and what it is you teach and how you help people. And I want, I want our listeners to really grasp who you are and how you've got to where you have gotten to. So okay. what got you into money coaching? I mean, I, I heard your bio and that's the Reader's Digest condensed version, right? Yeah. So it's not like you just woke up one day and said, I'm going to be a business owner and entrepreneur. Let's just do this, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that didn't just happen. So what got me into money coaching? Yeah. Failure. 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 <laughs> That's start there. All right, perfect. <laughs> so what did you do before then? Actually, my first career was in higher education. Okay. So in my twenties, I was climbing the ladder, climbing the ranks at UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And I left UNLV at the age of 31 as the director of advising for the honors college. Wow. Okay. So that was my first career. And that was what, that was 12 years ago. And so my 31 year old self that I was like at the top of my game, you know, that I had my shit together and I knew what I was doing. And I don't, I, I didn't know much, but at that time that was very, that was success for me. I was at a great college doing great work. I had a three-year-old son and my husband, now ex-husband and I were just burning the candle at both ends. And so I did what a lot of women do. Mm -hmm. And I took a step back in my career to stay home with my son. Wow. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So from 31 to 34, I spent a lot of time drinking wine and asking questions about what is the meaning of life and figuring out who I really was because my whole identity was wrapped up in who I was at UNLV mm -hmm. and all the accolades and my persona of professional life fell apart when I stayed home. So I had to unravel to come back together. But ultimately, honestly, the reason that I decided to go back to work is that my husband had been in and out of work. He was supposed to be the breadwinner and he lost his job nine months into it. And it was a, it was a financial downward spiral for a few years there. So I was like, all right, I got to go back to work. Now, what do I want to do? Mm -hmm. And who do I want to be? Okay. So did you go get a job or did you just wake up and go, I'm going to be an entrepreneur? No, I left UNLV even unconsciously because I know you talk, you know, I'm learning from you about the unconscious mind, but I, I do believe that I made a decision when I left UNLV that I would never work for anyone ever again. Okay. So there, that was the kindling of it, not knowing exactly what that would look like or what, or what I'd be doing. Okay. So then when you realized, when you unraveled yourself to put yourself back together, did, did money mindset coaching just present itself to you? You know, I, I meet a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs and even independent sales professionals who, who struggle with what they want to do, right? right. They, they know what they love, they know what they're good at, and they, and they don't really know how to make a career out of it. 
So how did you go through that process trying to figure out what it is you want to be when you grow up? The first thing was, is that I started looking at advisor positions again, because I love supporting people. I love being in the advisor role. Mm -hmm. And I had been coaching, mentoring pretty much from high school. I had been a peer advisor, peer leader in some way, shape or form. So that was the first thing I knew I wanted to do advising. I didn't even really realize at the time that life coaching was a thing. I'd never worked with a life coach, didn't know what a life coach did. So um, the first step was saying, okay, I got to go back to work. The second step was what kind of work do I want to do? And I didn't want to go back to higher ed. I really didn't want to get a job. Mm -hmm. I got an email from state, I think it was farmer's insurance. So I'd put my resume out there Mm -hmm. and farmer's insurance wrote me an email as they do um, that said I could make $400,000 a year as a farmer's agent. And that got my, that got my attention. (laughs) So I called my best friend who's, who's my financial advisor at the time. And I said, Hey, is this a legit thing? Can I make money selling insurance of all things? She said, yeah, but if you want to, she's like, knowing you, if you, if you want to go into finance, why don't you become a financial advisor and join my firm? Mm. Okay. So you got your series seven, 65, 65. Okay. Health and life in 65. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So I became a financial advisor because I wanted unlimited earning potential and I wanted to be able to do that on my own and reincurring revenue. All the, all the, I think same reasons that most people go into finance, I would Mm -hmm. think is that there's this like error of success and financial success. That's what Mm -hmm. I wanted. Awesome. Okay. And you were an overnight success there. It I sucked at it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's definitely a position. That's a grind. That's for sure. <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know, Stacy. And I didn't grow up around money. Mm-hmm. I wasn't around millionaires ever. I'm a blue collar girl and being around millionaires at a firm working with millionaires was so outside my comfort zone it did not propel me forward. It really brought up all the insecurities and questions and limiting beliefs and conversations that I have about money and about my own worth. And so instead of being inspired and motivated to go after it, I end up spending a lot of money keeping up after the Joneses, trying to appear successful to attract successful clients. And I bombed at it. Wow. Okay. So then what did you do? Uh, well, I almost ran out of money. So when I say I burned through my life savings, you know, at 31, $100,000 for a girl who never really grew up around money was a lot. Yeah. So that was my 401k accumulation and we'd burned through everything else. I was in credit card debt, but I really, really wanted to take a shot at starting this business, which is why I decided to join my partner as a partner, not as an employee, right? Like I'm going to pay my way through this and I'm going to figure this out myself. So three, four years into it, I had gone from a hundred thousand dollars in savings. My now ex-husband who's an alcoholic was in and out of work and I was trying to make ends meet and I had $20,000 left and my, you know, financial advising, I now coach financial advisors and it's a sink or swim environment, which, you know, sell without selling. I didn't know how to sell to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know how to have the right conversations. And so I had $20,000 left and I was so frustrated and I was frustrated with my business partner, friend, and she wanted me to be successful and I couldn't figure it out and she couldn't figure it out. And I said, well, something's got to change. Something's got to give. So I found a coach. I found someone who was coaching financial advisors 
And I get, I made a Hail Mary and invested in that coaching program. And that's where things turned around. Nice. Nice. You know, the, the one reoccurring thing that I hear in your journey so far is you become very introspective and you question the purpose of the results you're getting and you focus on refining yourself instead of projecting excuses. And that is so important in the journey of success. It's so easy to blame other people. It's so easy to blame the environment. It's so easy to blame the economy, the interest rates, the government. It's really hard to say, what about this is about me and Oof. what can I do to shift it, right? It's a kick oh in gosh. the gut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shaking now even just thinking about it because it's, it is, it's, it's the most important and sometimes most difficult question to ask because of that feedback. Yeah. And then on top of it, identifying what about this is about me and then stepping into it and doing something about it. You instantly surrender to the coaching process mm -hmm. with zero money. And by this time, a five or six-year-old, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, a five or six-year-old at that time, I, I'd pretty much classify that as no money, right? You oh probably had about three or four months of expenses left, give or I take. Did. Yep. And you trusted yourself, you trusted the process, you surrendered to it. And what happened? In 10 months, I made $128,000. I flipping love that. Yeah. This Lisa is the epitome of what happens when you allow yourself to surrender to coaching, surrender to trusting yourself in a process and just stepping into it and, and allowing shift to happen. It's not a do to a coach can't make you do anything. A coach can definitely surround you with a lot of mirrors and a lot of ideas and still the choice is yours. And if you listen to this podcast frequently, you know what I say, choice is a powerful thing and suffering is always optional. Ooh, right? Yeah. So now you are thriving and you're, you have a coach. So how did, how did you become a coach? Well, I had gone through, uh, we talk about through your programming, the, the done to you kind of NLP based programs. And I had gone through one of those programs in 2014. So I'd started to understand coaching and I had, uh, taken some teams through that programming. So I'd started to do some coaching for free really in that NLP based program. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. I loved it. And, and in 2017, I had never heard the word money coach before even being in the finance industry. Yeah. So it wasn't until I had met Robin, my, my, my coach at that time, who had been a money coach, who was coaching other coaches or coaching other people. I was like, oh my gosh, this is a thing. Like I could actually help people with their money yeah. and I could be a coach and I don't have to have my licenses and I don't have to worry about the SEC anymore. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so that's yeah. when I made the shift. I wasn't being, I wasn't creating the results I wanted in my firm feedback. I wasn't yeah. genuinely happy with the relationship and dynamic I had with my best friend of 25 years feedback. My financial life was going down fast feedback. And I said, well, something's got to change. But then you're right. I look inward and I said, I really want to be a coach. And if I can help people money being uh, help people with money being a coach, that's a win-win. And that's when I shifted gears and that's when things turned around. Plus the sales cycle is a lot faster when you're a coach than a financial advisor too. And that helped me. Yeah. You know, 
Uh, I, I'd like to put a little disclaimer out there that are coaches, there are coaches out there that have zero training yes. in coaching. It When you're seeking coaches, and look, for those of you who listen to this show, you know I have eight coaches, right? I surround every area of my life to expose any and all blind spots so that it gives me the opportunity to be the best version of me of every second of every minute of every day. I say that to say, it's really important to go through that process mm-hmm. of really making sure that you're aligning with the right person. Because there are a lot of people out there that have struggled in their successes. And you just heard Lisa say, it's a quicker sales cycle as a coach. Well, if they couldn't make it in whatever area of life that that they're physically coaching in, then they're going to coach you to get the same results, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's your responsibility to do the due diligence. You know, coaching is a non-regulated industry. And because of that, it's, it's your responsibility. We can't, we can't expose the people who shouldn't be coaches and shouldn't is a, a projection, right? Absolutely is. And there's no way to tell whether they can or can't. You know, w- one of my favorite questions is, is when somebody tells me that they can help me with X, my response is show me your results. Yeah. Show me your PL. I've literally asked coaches to show me their PL. If they won't, yeah, get a little curious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you have built this business. How long have you been a money mindset coach and what was the process like developing this this idea of something you didn't even know existed well it started when when i hired robin in 2017 i i was fortunate enough to borrow some of her systems and tools you mm-hmm. know she, she was a financial advisor she was doing money coaching so i'm really grateful that i learned from robin a lot mm-hmm. of what i have now incorporated into my own business and my own practice at that time, I wasn't coaching business owners. Mm-hmm. I was coaching millennial women, women mm-hmm. in their 20s and 30s, teaching them how to look at their money. Because truthfully, is even as a financial advisor, those aren't skill sets that are taught to become a financial advisor. You would assume that. But if you can pass a test and sell a product, you can be called a financial advisor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there's different kinds of training for different kinds of purposes. And what the, what the, the young women were coming to, to me for coaching was, I don't know what I'm doing with my money. I said, well, let me help you to learn how to look at your money. Do you really know what you make, what you spend and what you keep every single month? And just, just from those conversations and then helping them understand the value of feedback from their own finances. What are your, what are your finances telling you about your own life, Mm -hmm. given the results that you have? Mm -hmm. Um, and asking powerful questions was helping them make shifts and truly understand why, why they were at where they were at financially. So that's where it started in 2017. And honestly, I wrote my book. It's called girl, get your shit together. Nice. I love it. It's a culmination though. So it's not just money, right? Like in my opinion, and my personal belief is that money is just a feedback of our relationship with time of our relationships, of what we're choosing to do in our lives. So it's 
a process of looking at our whole life to understand how money intersects into that. And so that's why I wrote my book, but I didn't want to write a book. I did it because I wanted people to know who I was. Nice. And it's another way to help people if they haven't met you yet. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. let me ask the burning question because I know that, you know, about 35, 40% of our listeners are male mm -hmm. and you're probably saying a lot of the problems that they're sitting there resonating with, yeah. right? So why do you focus on women when the male arena has the same money issues? I'll say to begin with, it was um, from the coaching that I was getting about choosing a niche gotcha. and the value and the importance of choosing a niche. Mm -hmm. And I do love working with women and, and women are underserved in the money industry. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. And also, also, I didn't know what I didn't know at this, at the time. And, you know, having worked with you and working in the future of my business, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. And working with women is absolutely in my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. It's a safe thing to do. Yeah. I, and, and women are raised differently. We have different conversations, which I can speak about intelligently. And over the last four, five, three or four years, I do have male clients. I just don't market to men yet. Gotcha. You know, when, when I met you and I, and I heard that women were your demographic, the first thing that went through my mind, if I had to mind read and project was, you know, women are raised differently. When you look at it generationally, baby boomers, the majority of them, the women stayed home, the men went to work, the men came home, the men paid the bills, the women cooked and took care of the house. Then Gen X emerged and Gen X was, eh, I want to be equal. We weren't really considered equal because of the differential in pay. However, the men went to work, the women went to work, the men still handled the money and the women may have gotten a little involved in the bills. However, they really weren't taught how to. Correct. Then, then you have Gen Y, the millennials and now Gen Z and different education, different conversations are starting to happen. You know, Gen Y is the first emergence of shared responsibilities, you know, where the women were like, I'm not doing dishes and laundry, you dirty them too, we will do them. And the right. guys are like, well, I'm not going to do yard work alone. It's your responsibility too. So that shared responsibility is happening. I say all of that to say, I remember when my mom divorced uh, for the second time, she didn't know how to pump gas. She mm -hmm. didn't know how to do a household budget. She didn't know how to pay bills. She didn't know any of that. And I had to show her, I got to show her. And she looked at me and she goes, well, how did you learn this? And I looked at her and I said, I learned it because there was no one to show me. That's it. Yeah. And that was how I learned it by doing it and making a shit ton of mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it yeah. was very, very painful. So let's shift gears because I, I don't know, guys, if you heard this, sounds like um, there might be plans in the future for uh, Lisa to be helping anyone with the money mindset issue. Yeah. How's that? And yeah. I, don't, I don't even think that you need to have a money mindset issue to work on your money mindset. Agreed. I think money mindset is very similar to your muscle definition. Mm -hmm. 
the more you work a muscle, the stronger it gets. The stronger the muscle gets, the better the foundation can hold you. And I, I think that goes across the board with any and every mindset issue. And this is, this is the part of the conversation I'm so excited about. You know, I speak a lot about money mm-hmm. and success. And as a speaker, as a trainer, as a coach, I hear frequently how I repel people. Mm. You know, people tell me all the time, well, money's, money motivates you. Money doesn't motivate me. Money's not important to me. And I'll go, great. Your house paid off? Well, yeah. Did, how many vacations did, did you go on last year? Well, I didn't. Why? Well, we didn't have the money. So do you think maybe money doesn't motivate you and money doesn't excite you and money repels you because maybe you don't have what you need. So you've convinced yourself of it. Yeah. And, you know, I always get that look like, well, F you, because I always attempt to deliver it as much with love as possible. And it doesn't always land that way when you kick someone in the gut. Right. So reality is if you're one of these people that money doesn't motivate you, money repels you when someone talks about money or flashes money or fill in the blank, whatever. If it triggers you, I really think you might want to get out a notebook and a pen right now. Yeah. So, you know, mindset, in my opinion, is the foundation for success in anything in life. I believe it's 90% mindset, 10% skill set. Now, predominantly, our listeners are business owners, entrepreneurs, independent sales professionals. How does a lacking money mindset, because people have money mindsets, just whether or not, right. (laughs) Which one is it? (laughs) Yeah. So how does lacking a strong foundation in money mindset affect their success? There are so many ways I can go with this. Let's go to all of them then. Um, (laughs) I'll start with a story. Can I start with a story? Absolutely. I love that. So I have a, a client, a male client who runs a successful business. Guys, Multi- you heard that? It's a yeah. guy. Well, he's a guy. Multiple seven-figure business. Nice. Okay. Um, and has big aspirations and ambitions to have more. I want you guys to hear this as the story's starting. This is someone who is successful. Is successful. Has, has seven-figure business and has hired a money mindset coach. Okay, yes. go for it. And he's in, he's, he's been in so much pain Mm. because he was raised in a lack money mindset and his money role model, his father taught him sound boomer principles. You buy a car, you keep it, you, you run, you know, you run the wheels off of it (laughs) and, um, you know, you don't buy anything that you don't need. And here he is, he's got these big dreams. He's making great money his business is only scaling up. There's no indicator looking at his business financials that he's tanking anytime soon. Mm-hmm. He really wants to do these things for his family and he cannot give himself permission. It is so painful for him to enjoy all the success that he's created. So on paper, he's successful and he doesn't feel it. And he's constantly, you know, questioning himself. That's, that's a really painful experience for someone who's in a lack money mindset, who's creating results, who's completely disconnected 
in the, to, to have joy with the money that they want for their lives. So that's a good example of how lack stops us and holds us back, no matter how much money we have or don't have. Yeah. I mean, in that scenario, in that scenario, he didn't even have lack. It was just, it didn't matter what he had enough was never enough. It was never enough. And how many, how many of your listeners are in that conversation? And if it's never enough, gosh, that like that lack conversation, you're not enough. Your bank account's not enough. When can you ever enjoy the fruits of your labor or where can you ever be really present and celebrate? And if you and if you have a lack mindset and you don't have any money, well, you're going to be there. You're going to be there. <laughs> if I hope you like your life and most of the time you don't, and then you're comparing yourself to other people and other lives. And, and then you're never really present. And you're never really enjoying your life either. So I don't know what else. I mean, I could say so much about lack mindset for women. We just don't know what we don't know about money. Right. Right. You know, 90, uh, there's a statistic out there. It's a little older, so it could have gone, it could have changed over the last few years, but the last time I looked at it, it's that men earn and, and own 90% of the world's wealth. Yeah. Yeah. I actually heard it was more. I heard it was 95%. 95%. So if you're a woman and you're in business or sales and you're, you're wanting to reach your goals and you have a lack mindset around money, you're, you're hitting your head against the wall, literally every single day. Yep. Yep. Um, I heard statistics and I, I heard it in a passing conversation. So I'm going to, I'm going to skew the percentages a little bit and please understand that I'm going to operate off of an ish delivery (laughs) that uh, out of all the women owned businesses, um, less than 6% of them ever hit six figures. Less than 6%. Less than 6% ever hit six figures. And out of that percentage, less than 1% of them ever see seven. Mm. I mean, those are painful statistics. Painful statistics. Now, now I like to go backwards a little bit and talk about something because I heard something behind what you said. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have a belief and after hearing Lisa, I'm very confident that she shares the belief. A lot of people think that when you get to a certain level, you don't need coaching. Mm. And reality is, I believe we always need a coach. I mean, nobody was ever going to tell Michael Jordan he shouldn't or couldn't have a coach because when you talk with him and hear his interviews, his coaches are what made him that top Mm -hmm. half a percent in the industry. However, what I do hear a lot is, well, if I could afford a coach, oh, right. I would be in a different position. Now, I want you to go back to our beginning conversation to where Lisa said she had 20,000 left, a five or six year old, you know, three to four months of expenses covered, and she stepped into a coaching program. Now, just a couple minutes ago, she said, if you don't have money, enjoy it because that's where you're going to be at. Yeah. You know, it all starts with a choice. It all starts with a decision. If you can't invest in you, how can anyone ever invest in you? So 
talk to our listeners, share with our listeners how being between a rock and a hard spot, you know, and stepping into making that choice, making that decision to blindly hire out of faith. Mm-hmm. How, they, how do they do that? I mean, they can't pay their bills as it is. And now, hey, you need a money mindset coach so you can, or you need right. a business coach so you can. Right. So how do they do that? Ooh, how do they do that? Um, well, to your point earlier, you do your research, do your homework and know that the person can get you the result that you want to get, or is getting other people that result. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of coaches out there who are just great at selling, mm-hmm. but don't necessarily know how to coach. So you've invested in a program. You don't get the result. Mm-hmm. So do your homework, do your research and to be in a sales position, a business owner, entrepreneur in a, you know, in a sales position, you have to have, you have to have confidence. And I really do. You have to be, you have to invest in yourself. I, I, you, you can't afford not to, I guess is the, is, is the real answer is you really can't afford not to invest in yourself because you're out there every single day asking people to invest in themselves. And if you're not willing to invest in your own self, are you really practicing what you're preaching? But from to, to your point, I knew that if I didn't do something and I, I did, I, I, at that time, Robin charges a lot more now for her coaching, but at that time I, I spent $10,000 on her coaching program and I had $20,000 left, <laughs> right? It might sound crazy, but what I, I might've been going quote unquote broke, but I also knew that I'm a resourceful woman. Mm. And our lack of resources are mostly just in our head or our unwillingness to ask the question or our unwillingness to go into debt or uh, our unwillingness to ask for help or for someone to support us or to sell a home or to, you know, to make a change, The, the, the broke conversation and I, and I realize this and I'm very sensitive to the fact that there are a good number of people who are legitimately poor. And, and, and I, and I hear that and I get that. And for the most part in America, especially we're poor in our heads. Mm-hmm. We're not poor because of lack of resources. Yeah. So on that note, there are no unresourceful people. There are only unresourceful States. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've heard me say time and time again on this podcast, the number one person we lie to the most is ourselves right? And I'd like to differentiate something that Lisa just brought up. And I remember years ago when I got into being a business owner, I actually started out as an independent sales contractor in direct sales, right? And um, I remember my mentor telling me, there's a difference between being broke and being poor. Mm-hmm. Being broke is temporary, being poor is permanent. And when you think you are broke, look at what is breaking or what has broken. Because I've never met broke, I've never met a broken person. Mm-hmm. I've just met people who have broken bank accounts and belief systems in them and in themselves, or or broken skill sets or fill in the blank, whatever. That poor conversation. 
that has to do with programming, that has to do with imprints, that has to do with how we were raised, mm-hmm. right? And that can be reshifted, reprogrammed, retaught if you live in an environment to where you are poor mm-hmm. and zero judgment, right? Right. Maybe you live in the projects. Maybe, maybe you're on welfare or unemployment or fill in the blank, whatever. There's only one person that can change that. And that's you. Right. So I'm completely sensitive to what the pandemic did to the masses. I, I truly am. And this is going to sound insensitive and please understand this is delivered from my heart. You can make different choices to get different results. Mm-hmm. And this is why I was so excited for Lisa to come on this show. So whether someone's broke or poor, if their reality is not a lot of money in the bank account, mm-hmm. what advice can you give them? The first thing I do in my world is I ask my clients, my readers, my followers to really get to know their money mm-hmm. because with money, it's very fluid. And one day you have money and the next day you don't, you get paid and you have money mm-hmm. or, and then in between that, that, that's the paycheck to paycheck cycle. And the truth is most people don't really know their money. So that, yes, there's money mindset. And right next to that is you have to know what you actually make, spend and keep for the, for my clients, the ones that I work with my very first, that's their homework. That's their first assignment. Even before we work together, go do that, go take a look at your money. And there's a big aha there when they look at their money in a bigger picture and they go, oh my gosh, I actually do have money. I really do have money. I'm like, no shit. You have money. <laughs> I know you have money. Just stop going to McDonald's and Starbucks. <laughs> Whatever. Right. I don't care if you. I don't care if you drink Starbucks. I don't care what you do with your money. But your experience of not having any money—is it a belief or is it really a fact? Gotcha. gotcha. And I have. I have someone who I've been working with for years. For her, her whole situation has changed, and now she's living on Social Security and she's living her best life. Nice. On Social Security. Nice. You know, and so does, she, could we say she's poor? Yes. She's living under the poverty line technically, but she has money. So mm-hmm. the, 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 the programming of, I don't have money for me. I know exactly where that came from. It came from my parents telling me, no, we can't do that. We don't have the money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as a young kid, I, be, I started to believe that that became my programming. And what was I telling my three or four-year-old when I didn't, when, no, we don't have the money. And so that became my conversation. That wasn't the truth. Nice. So to your listeners, is that the truth? You know, what can I do if I don't have any money? Well, let's go make sure that that's the truth. And then if that is the truth, then let's ask the question of what can I do to go out and make more money for women in particular, there's a whole lot more out there to get. Mm-hmm. And for men, what's the excuse, <laughs> right? Like if men own 90% of the world's wealth, what are we really, um, what are we really bullshitting ourselves about and where is our programming and our, and our conversations internally, where is that stopping us? So that's where you start. I really believe that. So I'll, uh, I'll share something really transparent. 
So, you know, I was raised with a very affluent father in the 70s, right? He made six figures. Money was always flowing in. Uh, he was a baller, right? And then there was my mother, who was the stay-at-home mom. And uh, both were raised by parents who lived through the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. And my father was an Irish immigrant. So in Ireland, in Ireland, nothing is unattainable because they just barter for things. Mm -hmm. So there was always options. And my dad learned how to think outside the box to make money happen. My mom, on the other hand, had that scarcity imprint. Now, I say that to say my dad is who I chose to model from a money aspect. And that's good and bad. It was good because he could always make a buck. It was bad because he always spent more than he made. Mm -hmm. Everyone always referred to my father as champagne taste in a beer wallet. Well, my dad had a champagne wallet, but he had crystal taste right? So my dad was the type of person that would walk into a bar with 200 people in it and say drinks on me. Mm. My dad was the type of person that would coach a little league baseball team and buy all the kids new cleats and gloves, you know. My dad defined himself by how he could give to people. So when I went through that whole lawsuit, the bankruptcy, you know, I share with people that I made the biggest mistake of attaching my self-worth to my net worth Yeah, because I modeled that in my father, right? Fast forward when I, I, I had never had not had money. I, I had never not been able to rebound or generate money quickly. And as we know, building a business, it's not easy. It's simple. No. It's, it's just not easy, right? It's simple because it's a science. And when you get kicked in the gut and knocked down and embezzled from and then sued and going through the legal system for four and a half years, I got in my head and I got in my head bad. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard to stand up and pull up my boots, so to speak. Yeah. And I, I say all that to say I obviously did shift quickly, right? And it was, it took everything I had and something happened. Hmm. And what happened was I swore it would never happen again. And by doing that, I ended up creating a program very similar to your clients. It's never enough. If it's not going to happen again, how do I prevent that? Right. Right. All of our success, all of our growth, all of our learnings come from the questions that we ask ourselves and others. So it got to the point where I was make, I was probably working about 100-ish hours a week, give or take. I mean, I was seven days a week, 12, 15-hour days. I would go to bed at 11 at night, wake up at three, four in the morning and start all over again. And I remember Mary Lou looking at me and she, and she just said, why are you doing this? You have a multi-million dollar business. We are comfortable. And I looked at her and I answered the why question first. And I said, I've lost our retirement. I, I have to rebuild our retirement. 
And then her, her, she was in my head. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And as you've learned in class, we never ask why. We asked, what's the purpose? Yep. So after I answered the why question, I stepped back and I said, what is the purpose of me working like this? And then I remembered that decision I made. This will never happen again. And then it made me realize that it didn't matter what I made. It wasn't going to be enough to ensure that it never happened again. Mm -hmm. So it really doesn't matter how refined you are, how developed you are, how strong of a mindset you have. We always have limiting beliefs, limiting decisions, programs, imprints that sneak up on us. We're onions. The more we peel, the more layers get exposed and we will always have blind spots. And I remember having this conversation with my coach and my coach, one of my coaches, she laughed at me and she, we were on zoom. She looked me dead in the face and she goes, do you know, I've asked you that question 17 different ways. And she goes, you never heard it. She goes, now let's deal with it. Mm. And I mean, look, I've been investing in myself very heavily for 30 some odd years and for the listeners out here, I'm going to tell you, if you aren't surrounding by experts, if you aren't sticking yourself in environments that make you squirm, then I can promise you the environment that you're sitting in will eventually make you squirm. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. So my last question for you about money mindset is... You know, I had I had brought I had asked you how does it affect a business owner, an entrepreneur, an independent sales professional? So I kind of wanna I kind of wanna answer it and then ask it. How's that? Okay. Because for me, when I hit people about mindset for sales, for leadership, for communication, from our imprints, our programming, when I when I address mindset from that perspective, because I don't consider myself a money expert, right? Not at all. I just so happen to be really good at making money and then I give it to the experts. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I, have, I have realtors that I trust that help me invest in real estate. I have financial people I trust that help me put my money towards retirement. I mean, when you were talking about people saying follow, follow their money, be very clear on what you make, what you owe, what, what where you spend it. I I have literally done this exercise. And when it's all said and done, I really have no money at the end of the month because 90% of it goes to investments. Yeah, it goes out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, we are constantly investing. Remember, I lost my retirement. Yeah. So going backwards again, I can go down rabbit holes. Sorry. <laughs> going backwards again. When when you have a negative money mindset, when mm -hmm. you have mindset built on sand or a shaky foundation, we attract who we are. We attract who we are so that we can see it, learn from it and fix it. That's how our unconscious mind works. So for those of you out there, who are constantly getting rejections with, I can't afford that. Mm. Or, or, or people are 
uh, I'm going to say in air quotes, wasting your time while you're doing the whole presentation thing to solve their need, want, and desire with your product, service, or solution. And then when you get to the end of it, they don't step into it. Walk up to your mirror and ask yourself, where does this show up in my life? How many times do you say I can't afford that? How many times do you waste people's time? How many times to dot, dot, dot? Correct. So I now want to go back to that question. How does a negative or a weak money mindset, in your opinion, affect people in their business, their sales, their performance, their bank accounts? I think it, it's it, we can sum it up in one, one simple concept from NLP, which in, in your language, perception is projection. Yeah. And when we have, when we have a, a lack money mindset or an unworthiness conversation, we're going to project that out onto people. And I see it happen for business owners that I coach all the time now. I see it because I, you know, I, I'm here, I'm listening for different things. And if, if they don't believe that they're worth whatever they're worth per hour, whatever they're worth for their service, are they truly going to go out and sell if there's that incongruency? And they're going to look for reasons because perceptions projection and look for people who are going to validate those limiting beliefs. Yeah. So, um, and the other thing that I teach sales too in my own, in my own world, um, is that the objections you give are the objections you get, Yeah. right? So if you have a lack money mindset and you don't have the money or you can't find the money, you'll find other people who are going to give you the same objections. It's just a law of attraction that way. Yeah. So it's really important if you have ambitions to take, you know, and and for me, I really love money because it's all about elevation, really. I I think it's just all about propelling ourselves forward and living our best lives and and elevating. And if you aspire to elevate, this is also why you need a money mindset coach is someone who's looking out to help you understand when you've hit that next ceiling. Six figures percentage wise is a big deal for a lot of people. And then what? The mindset that got you to six figures is that is going to be a different mindset that gets you to multiple six figures, because if you've never been there, especially, I know for me, as I'm working my way toward a million dollar business, I'm confronting new limiting beliefs every single day. And if I don't have someone to communicate about that, like, okay, what am I seeing here at this level? That's going to get in my way of the next level. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to know where you're operating from. And to your point, you can change your operating system. Yeah. But if you're operating from a lack money mindset, no wonder you're, you're not getting the results that you want. Yeah. You know, two points really quick. It's the whole chicken versus the egg thing. You know, you, you heard me say earlier that I made the mistake of attaching my self-worth to my net worth. Well, the two are very directly related. However, it's necessary to have self-worth, self-worth in order to ever accomplish a net worth. Mm-hmm. And your net worth should never dictate your self-worth. And True. I have found time and time again that that worthiness environment is what ultimately impacts people's earning potentials. And then the second point is that income ceiling. Now, I 
if you guys are listening to this on the podcast, do yourself a favor, hop in on YouTube in a few weeks, because I want you to see her face when I say this, <laughs> because, you know, so I, I get asked all the time what creates income ceilings, and, you know, that in itself is a rabbit hole answer, because there's so many different answers. However, if you ever really want to truly confront your imprint, your program, like Lisa had said, every level that you elevate to in business exposes all new blind spots and all new learnings and definitely a lot of discomfort. It's relatively simple to create a successful business, whether it's six figure or seven figure, actively earning that money. My challenge to you is find a way to passively earn it. Yeah. Because one of the biggest things I have learned through inserting myself in environments where I'm the least intelligent person in the room, I am the brokest person in the room. I make sure that I'm always in the right room by being the, uh, I'll say, smallest person in the room, right? Yeah. One thing I've learned is that our government now, our government pre-COVID, defined wealthy as it used to be 45000 a year. I think it's now like sixty-five or seventy, and that's national average. That, that's not West Coast. That was the okay. national average. So we do have the Midwest in there that, okay. that that skews the numbers. I would venture to guess that the numbers probably like a hundred grand wealthy for West Coast, right? The wealthy define wealthy. A million dollars passively earned annually. And that is a huge disparity in definition. Huge. Because a lot of business owners think they hit success when their business hits six figures or their business hits seven figures. Now ask yourself, if I wasn't in the equation, would the business still do it? Yeah. If the answer is no, then you've done a great job creating a job for yourself. Right. And like all jobs are false sense of security, right? So my challenge, my invitation to all of you is look at what you're doing and how you're doing it. And then ask yourself, how can I shift this to become mm -hmm. passive? That's the number one thing when I, on my own radio show and podcast that I ask clients, what's next? Mm -hmm. Or I'll ask guests, what's next? That's the number one thing they say. I want my money to work for me. Yep. I want my, and that's, that's, that's the true definition of wealth is that someone can wake up and do whatever they want, Yep. wherever they want and know that their money is out there doing things for them. That's a true definition of wealth, I think. And that's what I think most people think they want and they have no idea how to get there. Yeah. And you won't, you won't, if you continue to do the same thing over and over again, it's about hiring people that can help you set that path, expose blind spots, create mirrors. You know, I don't watch a lot of TV and my favorite show is Shark Tank. Mm -hmm. I like Shark Tank a lot. 
love it for a multitude of reasons, right? You can, I like to people read, I like to people watch. So you can see their imprints, their programming. I love the sharks. I, there's, there's just so much about it. And one of my favorite lines that Mr. Wonderful always says is, I like to put my soldiers out there so that they bring me back other soldiers. Yeah. Referring to his hundred dollar bills. So, so how are you letting your money work for you so that it becomes passive and no longer active? Yeah. So Lisa, welcome to the signature question of the show. And that is what does selling without selling mean to you? Personally, it means that I'm in relationship with someone. So I've built rapport mm -hmm. that I know what they want. I know what they need. I know where they're at. And I know that I have a service that can help them. And then I just have, I have the courage of, can I help you? That's selling to me is, Hey, do you want help with that? Can I help you with that? Okay. Let's do that. That's selling to me. I love that. You know, and it's Lisa's missing a lot of backstory to that answer only because I know her look at how much work she's done on herself because how can you ever help someone if you can't even help yourself and I I wholeheartedly know for a fact that Lisa practices what she preaches and because of that she can show up in that state yeah I love that thank you for sharing that yeah. And I'll say, I mean, I still get a pit in my stomach when I invest in myself, the fear, I, that's an, that's an objection that I get a lot in money coaching is I'm afraid I'm afraid. Yes. You've been programmed to be afraid and you can do it anyway. Mm -hmm. So do I feel afraid? Yes. Can I, and I do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's not always easy, right? It doesn't always feel good. If it was easy, everyone would do it. If it, if it's simple, then it's just about you showing up and doing it, yeah. right? You know, for me, I always consider October, November, and December the great American spend down. Mm. Because being an S-Corp, I, uh, you know, we, we all get hit with that pass-through tax, and I hate that pass-through yeah. <laughs> Not my damn money. Why are you taxing me on it? You won't legally let me touch it. <laughs> so, right. So for me... That's when I start doing all my investing in myself for the next year. I mean, I don't, I, love that. Don't. I invest my money in marketing. I invest my money in development and trainings and coaching. And it gets to the point to where my account still shows a profit and there's barely any money. Yeah. And then like the second or third week of January, it's back up to six figures. It like automatically happens. And I say that to say, Every investment I make, I still get that pit in my stomach, but for a different reason, because I'm inviting myself to next level myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm asking, I'm asking myself, are you ready for this commitment? Mm -hmm. You know, because for me, if I just show up to the coaching, well, I'll get information, but will I ever get an ROI? Yeah. Right. And when I make this investment, it's me committing to myself, my business, you know, my relationships, that coach, my family, I'm giving this my all. Yeah. And every dollar I put towards that is 10 times my all. And, 
it's exciting. It really is. That so. is exciting. Yeah. You are the best investment that you could ever make in yourself. Amen to that. Amen. So welcome to the random round. I believe that success leaves clues. And I like to ask my expert guests uh, specific questions so that our listeners can go, I really like that. And I want to apply it to myself. Okay. So I have two questions for you. First is what's your favorite word and why? This is going to be really cheesy, but um, I have to say my favorite word is Connor. That's my son's name. Aw, how's yeah. that cheesy? I don't know. I, I love that. That surprised me that I just said that. It makes me want to cry. But yeah, I love I love saying his name. I love who he is and the whole experience of it being his mom. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I don't know if you guys just heard her tone shift. I can promise you her son is her why. Yeah. Yeah, I, I say a lot when your why, if your why will make you cry, if your why will make you cry, the how will never matter. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, I, um, when we can look at our, our kids as our legacy, as our future, as our heart, as part of us, it gives us a whole new drive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. My next question, what's your morning ritual? Like depends on the day. Okay. Typically my alarm goes off at four 30 and I'm either up meditating, giving myself some time before the kids get up and all the things. Um, so I I'm meditating and loving on my dogs <laughs> or I'm up and I'm at the gym. Gotcha. By four 30. Um, and then I do some intentional, I don't journal a whole lot, but I'm, I meditate almost every morning, depending on the setting. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I spend at least an hour to myself in my thoughts, loving on myself, getting ready for the day set, you know, setting my intention for the day yeah. before we're off and running. Every morning. What time do you go to bed to be able to get up at four 30, eight o'clock <laughs> gotcha. at eight. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm typically up by five or five 30. I'm always in bed before 10. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm not one of those ones that need that that hardcore eight hour sleep. I'm good between five and seven hours. And I used to get up at four, four 30 and it, it felt too military for me. So I rebelled now. Five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm actually usually up by about three 30, but I get out of bed around four 30. Ouch. Okay. Yeah. That's way too military. Now. <laughs> I'm happy with my five, five 30. <laughs> so Lisa, I really appreciate you being on this show. If our listeners want to find you, follow you, reach out to you, connect with you, how can they? The first place is on Instagram. Send me a message. Let me know that, that something about this resonated with you. Give me some feedback. And that's Savvy Money with Lisa. Mm -hmm. Or just send me an email, lisa at lisachastain.com. If you want to check me out, do some stock, stocking, you can go to lisachastain.com. And also I have a radio show. It's called Real Money with Lisa Chastain. That's on Voice America, but that's on all major podcast outlets too. So you can check out my shows. Fantastic. I love that. So now this will all be in the show notes for those of you who don't have a pen with you. We'll make sure you know how to find her so that you can reach out and connect with her. Seriously, Lisa, it's been amazing. I really, really appreciate you being on the show. I know how busy you are. Thank you. I'm grateful to be here. 
hey, your success is important to me. And it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you and for you. I'd love for you to do three things right now. First, I'd love for you to jump on Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's hop over to Facebook, join our Sell Without Selling community. Second, since you already have your phone in your hand, hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. That's follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. And last and definitely not least, I'd love to chat with you and get feedback on the episodes to find out any topics you're interested in to help make this show more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success that you've always dreamed of, desired, and know you deserve. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash talk to Stacy. Let's get a 15-minute call on the schedule. And always remember this. Choice is a powerful thing, and suffering is always optional. Get out of your way so you can get on your way, so you can finally have your way. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Whether it's mastering your mindset, communication, or success, we have more ways to keep you on your journey to greatness. Be sure to visit us at pivotpointadvantage.com for exclusive online training programs, success-specific courses, and more ways to connect to Stacy directly to help you achieve the financial success you've always desired, dreamed, and deserved. That's all available on pivotpointadvantage.com.